Welcome, everybody. It's the PGA DraftCast. It's Sian Ajad. It's Spencer Aguiar, otherwise known as T-Off Sports. And it's the model maniac. We have David on the way. So we're going to have two people with accents, which means you have to listen to this show because it's super smart. Uh, Byron, how are you, man? Long time no see. How are you doing? See ya. Doing very well, man. It's uh, it's good to have you in here. Uh, we've been missing you, but you know what's cool? And this kind of works against you a little bit, Byron. You're in the chat all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, it feels like Byron's here all the time, but obviously that's not necessarily true. So um, thank you for, for, for coming. I saw some of your show yesterday, and I think Spencer may have too. So we have some, some cheat codes we might pull uh, pull on you here, but hmm, Spencer, I wonder if you guys do me, shows um, as well. You know, I think uh, I think we're all doing some background research, and it's also helpful right. doing this on a Wednesday, right? So that's right, that's right. Um, Spencer, tell me how everything's going. I mean, I don't know. Remind us, do you do NFL DFS? I used to a couple of years ago. I made a switch full time to do golf um, last season, and. I've decided to keep it that way for the time being. I mean, maybe at some point in my life, I'll go back towards the NFL side of things. But uh, I mean, just to quickly tell a story, which is kind of what moved me into the golf to begin with. So I was doing a start sit article over at Rotoballer and I was doing half of the coverage of it. So like I would cover the morning games or the later games for it. It was like a 10 to 15,000 word piece to get all of those players done. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I transitioned Mm. everything into golf at that point. 15,000 yeah. words a week. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was super in-depth and kind of out of control with it. Who wants to read that? Like, I don't well, know. I, <laughs> who wants to write it. that? <laughs> Jesus. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're at the Fortnet, and we're going to get into Spencer's model breakdown, of course. But, Byron, can I – before we get to that – and by the way, for those of you that are new to this show, we, we're going to be doing a draft. It's called the Draftcast. We're going to be doing a draft. It's going to be four of us. So team audience, I'll sort of be your mascot. You know, we'll, we'll be aligned. And then Byron gets his own team. Spencer gets his own team. And when David gets here, he gets his own team. Um, but also at the end of the show, we're going to throw out some first round leaders and some outrights as well. So it's kind of a betting show as well. Obviously, for your betting content, you also want to see the Better Golf Pod because they already recorded their show. It's out in the uh, podcast sphere, and uh, that's going to be a really good listen as well. With that said, Brian, I just wanted to ask you, before we get to the model breakdown, what are you looking for with this tournament? So I've invested a bunch of my time into the Corn Ferry guys, and I think this particular tournament with these guys coming into the field gives you like a really good opportunity to have a massive edge and gain some major leverage on just Joe Schmoes that are not necessarily deep diving all these new guys that are coming in. There's a there's about 10 or so Corn Ferry Tour guys I'm going to be definitely eyeing out, probably playing at least seven of them in my player pool of about, you know, 60 lineups or so. And if you can get one of these guys that finish inside the top five, that's 1% owned, I'm, I'm all about that. So I think that's definitely something I'm looking at. And then it's chaos. I think, you know, I didn't do very well in this tournament last year. So that's why I did all this Corn Ferry Tour stuff. But we'll see what we can get up to. I think making lots of birdies, dominating par fives, and just hitting your, your irons close, I think, is the, the secret this week. We'll see what Spencer has to say. Yeah, I think that a, a lot of people are eyeing some of these Corn Ferry guys. I think there's some that, that are going to be more popular than others. But uh, there's certainly more than a couple. So I think mm-hmm. the the general perception is, well, it's like these two or three corn fairy guys that I really want to play. But the reality is there, there's there's more where that came from. 
And uh, what's really cool is we, you know, we all have access to the information uh, with respect to how they have been doing on the Corn Ferry Tour. And some of these guys have really been popping on the Corn Ferry Tour. And it's yeah. really good to see, especially coming into this field, because this isn't a stacked field by any means. These Corn Ferry Tour guys can absolutely yes. vault themselves into the top 10, into the top five, and perhaps uh, win this thing. But speaking of top 10, speaking of top five, I am about to release the hounds. David Bolesky is about to come into this, this show. This is the number one. I'm going to say it. I, I, I'm not, this is not meant to insult anybody. As somebody writes, uh, J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, maybe we'll talk <laughs> some football during this show. Um, yeah. But I think David is the best DP World Tour handicapper in the universe. It's just my thought based on what I've seen. And we get to have him on the show to talk PGA Tour. So for, for anybody that doesn't know David, he, he handicaps the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. There's a lot going on in the DP World Tour. There's a lot of money to win. There's a lot of DFS to win. And without further ado, we're going to bring David in here. And David... Is he, is he David, hiding behind his giant water bottle again? Or... I What's don't. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, I don't know because maybe we have multiple feeds for David. Let me just see if I can add him here. No. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with David. We are we are going to try to figure that out while we do that, Spencer. Let's just just vault right into your model breakdown. So Silverado Country Club has undergone some restorations over the years, including two notable changes from Robert Trent Jones in 1967 and Johnny Miller in 2011. It is worth noting that the facility had to take on some additional repairs after fires ravaged the area a few years back. But I've been saying this on all the shows that I've been on. You know, this layout walks this fine line between your resort style birdie shootout and something that at least on the surface wants to be some a little bit more complicated when you consider Miller has petitioned for this course to be up for major consideration in the past. Narrow fairways have always been noticeable from a statistical perspective, which we see with players hitting the short grass only 52% of the time. But despite the wayward potential that does come into play off the tee, we work ourselves back into this outlook of ease since the tree line nature doesn't present quite the difficulty that you might expect since sporadic spacing does allow for extra aggression. There's going to be some wind that comes into play. I'd have to imagine we see the putting surface a little firmer than usual to try and deter this from creeping lower than 20 under par. But for a track that often struggles to find its identity, the rudimentary strategy most likely will come down to total driving, especially when we gear it towards distance. And then wedge proximity from 0 to 150 yards. We see 50.9% of shots take place from that range, a total that is 11.6% above expectation. And the only reason it isn't higher stems from the eight combined par three and par five holes that are on the course. And from a model building purpose, I did divide this venue into two different outlooks. Half the analysis came from the nine par fours that are under 450 yards. And then the final portion took a look into the aforementioned par three and par five categories that will require long iron proximity to find success. All right. That sounded really great. Um, yeah, and let's try to bring on... David. Oh, there he is. David is not wearing a tie and David looks like he got some sort of haircut or either of those things true. You're on mute. I think you guys can't hear him. Can you? No, no. All right. So it's the David, we, we got to be able to hear you. Um, we can't hear you yet, but Byron, let me ask you anything to add on Spencer's model breakdown. No, 
Who do you think I am trying to add? Nobody. To <laughs> no, it's nothing necessary to add. So, Spencer, if I could ask you before we actually get into like bringing up the sheet, if you could just reduce your model breakdown to like a couple tenets that like, you know, people who are listening who might have tuned out, they're thinking, okay, well, what, what is Spencer really looking for? And I, and I, I hate to do this too, because I know how particular are, but what are a couple of things that you're really kind of honing in on here? Uh, total driving, if you gear it towards accuracy, I think if you can miss to the correct quadrant of this rough, I mean, as I was saying, like you have sporadic spacing of these trees, so you can get aggressive on these approach shots from there. I do think zero to 150 yards will be important since you have so many par fours that are on the shorter side. Par five scoring is going to be important. That's where some of the longer iron proximity came into play. And then uh, I looked at putting. I, I've noticed that at least from a historical perspective, and I'm not somebody that uses putting. If you've been horrible on this surface, you have not found a ton of success. So I think you need to at least be break even, hopefully a little bit better than that. And then just try to get good total driving, good proximity numbers and put those three things together as like a three-step solution. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. What is the surface that we're speaking about? Because I don't know if it's bent or power or boa or pent or what so, are we dealing with now? Yeah, there it's is. A... Beam power makes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, yeah. How are we on? You sound good. You look good. David, how are you? Thank you. I'm I'm good, boys. Sorry, the uh, the teak was on the front, so I've moved to a slightly better spot. Um, I, I think where it froze was just as Sia was about to introduce me, and he was going on a beautiful run of compliments um, in regards yes, to me. Was. So obviously my laptop went, David, your ego's too big. You don't need to hear that. <laughs> your, your head's big enough. Um, I'm going to cut out at this point. So I'll, I'll have to go back and watch the stream and, and hear all the nice things that, uh, that Sia said about me. Well, David, just to recap, uh, and I want you to answer the the the, the greens question. Uh, by the way, I mean I think it's a mix of bent and poa, but you know yes. I, I tend to get sort of a, a little confused there, and sometimes I, I it's just a wash for me, and I just look at putting in general when yeah. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. But um, what I did say was I think you're one of the best handicappers in golf, but specifically because there's not a lot of people talking about the DP World Tour. Uh, we know how good you are there. I think you have like 13 outrights in 2022 since joining us, just like the the, the ones that you've actually published and issued in, in the Wind Daily Sports Discord and for winddailysports.com. I, I think you got like six or seven just right there. And that's just in the last four or five months that you've been with us. So we're happy to have you on this show. And I know everybody in our Discord and at Wind Daily is super happy to have you as well. No, thank you. It's, it's very kind. Um yeah, no, look, there, there are some extremely talented handicappers out there, um, but it, it has been a particularly good year, let's just say that. And, um, yeah, no, I feel very, very, very dialed in to both tours. Um, last week, another winner with um, Shane Lowry. Um, we also had um, Zanotti, who had tipped at 80 to 1. He was in third with about three holes to go. Um, he went for, um, needed basically an equal birdie finish to go for the win and he went for it. So we can't begrudge him that he, that he, um, eventually capitulated on those last two holes. Cause uh, you know, what, what I'm always looking for is I'm just trying to put golfers in position come Sunday on that final stretch. And then it's really, it's up to the, the guys on the course in terms of what they need to do and, and to have guys back in contention again, um, was fantastic. So, um, yep, another W in the books. Um, and exciting tournament this week on the DP World Tour. Italian Open articles out now. So, um, and in celebration, it's it's free of charge. So make sure that you're jumping into Win Daily. Jump into the Discord if you've got any questions for me. I'm always happy to help out the the Win Daily community. 
Yeah, if you haven't seen that link, go to at Deep Dive Golf. That's where you can find David's stuff. But I also retweeted it as well. So you can go to my uh, page and and, and uh, click on the link as well. Guys, are you ready to get started? The one thing I wanted to ask you, Spencer, was, I, I, listen, you're so good at this, this DFS thing. I'm assuming you won last time, but I actually don't remember because it was like two or three weeks ago. Uh, if that is the case, did you go ahead and put the uh, the order in play for the draft? I did put the order up. So the order will be me first. Um Byron will be second, David will be third, and then C and the audience will be fourth. All right. So the audience gets back-to-back picks. So that means you said Byron was third, right? Second. Uh, Byron was second. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So David is third, um, right? Is that right? David yes, is third? yes, yes. So as soon as so for the audience, as soon as David is done uh, with his selection, he might be explaining it. You guys can, or girls, can uh, start nominating um, the picks because we're going to have back-to-back picks every single time. So, um, all right. Are we, are we ready to put the board up? I think so. All right, let's do it. I'm ready Loser has to shave the hair like Dave or? Yeah, Dave, did you get a haircut? I can't tell. I did. This is a, yep, nice nice fade on the sides, trim on top, got to keep it tidy. And Byron, you're kind of doing the opposite thing? Yeah, I've, I've got the basement dweller look going on. I'm just, you know, in grandma's then, basement yeah. with the beard and the cow hat and I, I-80 truck stop hat. It's pretty pretty cool hat. So one of my favorites. Well, a very befitting a, a Jets fan, so I like it. Um, yeah. Speaking of, as we're tra- as we're getting this um as we're getting this board up, how do we, how are we feeling about the Jets? I thought they hung tough last week, just let out a, a couple huge plays. <clears throat> I think we're going to smash the Browns because we went up against Lamar Jackson and we were after him the whole game. He's one of the most elusive guys back there, so I think our defense is going to be very very good this year, and I think that's what we're going to lean on the most. And once Zach gets back. You know, that changes the whole dynamic of that offense. Joe Flacco, I mean, put me in instead, really. You know, it's just, I don't know what we're doing there. But we need Zach and then not a Houdini behind an offensive line. So I think we're going to be be doing okay for the rest of the year. Fair enough. I'm optimistic right. as always early on. So I, th- yeah. I think in sum up of the Jets season, if, um, if Byron's claim to fame has to be that they're going to smash the Browns, that tells us everything that we need to need to know, really, doesn't it? Well, we, you can only beat the team you're playing, David. This is true. This is true. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I mean, obviously, yeah, Joe Flacco's a, a subpar, uh, subpar um, alternate, but I, I don't expect the Jets to to have any sort of studs um, up their sleeves. I'm sure they're leaving it all on the field that they can. Um, I, I'm a Broncos fan, so it was a it was a bit of a heartbreaking uh, first week um, in the end of that one point loss to the to the Hawks. So. Um, hoping for more. Um, I'll actually be in Los Angeles very shortly. So if any any members of the Windale community want to catch up and, and watch a game, I think the uh, the Broncos Raiders game may be on um, while I'm in Los Angeles. So um, hit me up in the Discord. Fantastic. See, I think you have to share the sheet. Oh, okay. I don't I, I don't actually see it on here. Have you put it up for me to share? I'll uh, post it into a private thing. Yeah. So the Jets did land up being the team that gave the Browns the end of their losing streak. We pretty much got the whole of America free beer that one night. So for us to come back and beat them would be, I think that's a step up, right? You know, that's, it's yeah, so exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you were only, you were only doing that for the the benefit of the NFL fans. Correct. Yeah. We're, we're a team for the people. Absolutely. For the people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while we were waiting for Spence, should I chat a little bit about the Italian Open? 
just to pass some time should we go go through that um so this week italian open um we've got a actually a very strong field for a dp world tour event so we've got mcelroy um headlining he's incredibly short um you can get him in spots with a bet boost up to five to one look it's it's a little too short for me um he's rightfully favorite if he wins it's going to be absolutely no surprise um you've also got holland in the field you've got fitzpatrick in the field um rums are passed this week so he's not in the field so there are some really big headliners um the course that they're playing is a course called marco simone golf and country club so that course is just outside um outside rome about 20 minutes outside um the outskirts of rome and it's playing host to the Ryder cup in 2023 so it's actually a really great tournament to watch um very stadium type atmosphere as you'd expect for one of these Ryder cup courses um Despite being inland in Italy, it's almost a bit lengthy in its field. There's there's hardly any um, trees on the golf course, lots of long fescue, um, lots of undulating fairways and greens, um, and there's plenty of water um, in play as well. So it can be a little bit exposed to the elements. What I would say is that I see a really big weather edge um, this week over in Italy. So Italy does tend to get um, thunderstorms around this time of year. Um, and it looks like that some of those thunderstorms are going to move in for that first day of play today. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting because I do think that anyone who's in that Thursday PM time has a high chance of moving to Friday AM, which is going to be calmer weather um, and perhaps give them a bit of an advantage. So I've, I've stacked Thursday PM for, for my guys on that tour. Um, in terms of what you need to get around the course, it, it is quite a, lo- a long course. It's 7,268 yards past 71. So on the DP World Tour, that's one of the longer courses that they'll play all year. So you want to think of courses like Albatross, where they play the Czech Masters. Um, you want to think of like Celtic Manor, um, which was actually a former Ryder Cup course, but again, another course where you just need to drive the ball. And the other one, which there's already very, very strong links with, is um, El Hamra Golf um, Golf Course, which is a, the, in Russell Kaiman, the United Arab Emirates. Nikolai Hogard's won at both. Um, Johannes Beerman's um, performed in both very well. Francesco Laporta's got re- um, results of both. There's just huge, huge leaderboard links. And, and they're both courses that require you to be incredibly long um, off the tee. So um, so definitely you want to you want to have some strong drivers this week. Three par fives, two of them are very reachable and two. The 18th is 628 yards, but it is downhill. And the organisers have a tendency to move the tees up there. So you've got three drivable um, par fives and two. There's two drivable par fours if you're willing to take the risk on. Um, one of them does have water down the end. And then there's two par, four, par fours. One's 505 yards, the other one's 498. So um, incredibly long par fours. And basically, you just you, you are going to need distance off the tee. Um, last year's leaderboard was stacked with basically strong drivers. So if you jump onto, the, um, onto my Twitter, link in through the article, if you jump into Discord, you'll see my tips. You'll see that it's all along those lines. It's a good week for speculation as well, given the weather, um, given these thunderstorms and wind, and it's going to be very changeable. Um, so, yeah, don't be afraid to take some risks. And, and if anyone is building DFS lightnings, um, jump into Discord and, and ask me some questions because my, my golf betting tips will um, have tended to some of the longer shots given the volatility this week. Um, but I'll be happy to give some, some tips on lineups that people need. So speaking of tips, okay, so we're going to have to do this a little different because because Joel's not here, we don't know how to share the document. So I figure we just do the draft and we just kind of keep a tally. I mean, I think that's really – do you guys agree? Is that probably the best way to do this? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's fine. fine. All yeah. right, let's do that. So um, 
everybody has to kind of remind us the draft order. So, Spencer, you're going first, right? Yes. Okay. If we can get Joel in here, we'll get him to share the document. But for now, I say we just get started with the draft. So Spencer is first. Um, Byron is second, right? Mm -hmm. David is third. And then it'll be the audience. And we'll just keep a tally of <clears throat> what everybody has left and whatnot for now. Perfect. So oh. I will get us started then. Wait a minute. Let's see here. Okay. Yeah. So that's Zoom in a work. bit and call it good. Can we do that? All right. Looks like I'm sharing the spreadsheet. Perfect. Yeah, Beautiful. zoom in and it'll make it look sexy, and then I think we're good. Yeah, how does that look, everybody? Is that am I covering it? Which is better? The, that's that better. The, the yeah, way, all that's the way fine. Across. That's perfect. Yeah, okay. we're in mid season we form right now. Yeah, I love I'm it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try one or two things quickly and just see if we can. There's two weeks. Two weeks of uh, of off season. I love that. Awesome. There we go. Yeah. Okay, I just moved them down a little bit. Damn, this is a collaborative effort, yeah, folks. We're doing. It's amazing. We are tech Feels savvy. If you do believe us, yes. <laughs> I don't know how y'all did that, but um, all right. So let's get started. We're, we're we're at least five minutes behind. Spencer, why don't you get us started with the first pick? <clears throat> so there's a player that's number one in my model that I consider taking first for obvious reasons. There, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let Byron make that decision if he decides to go down that route. I'm going to take the golfer that I think is the best player in the field that is receiving some reduction in ownership. It's not a massive amount, but he's not the highest owned player for all these totals being jumbled together. So I'm going to take Max Homa at 10,500. He's the defending champion of this tournament. He's the number one player in my model when it comes to par five scoring with the way I recalculated it. And I did see a post from Byron that I don't think you liked Max Homa this week for reasons that I'll let you talk about, but I really like his game and how it fits for this course. And uh, I just think like his combination of safety and upside is probably the best of anybody in this field. And we can talk about some of those guys in like the upper $9,000 range that I do like also. I, I just don't think they're Max Homa at the end of the day. And with the pricing being as close as it is and there being a reduction in ownership, I'm just going to go to the top of where I think that there is an edge. Well, Byron, Spencer led you. Tell us why you think Spencer just made an awful pick. No, it's not an awful pick, but I think <laughs> there just are joking. guys that definitely have a bit more um, juice to their name that I think we'll go with because I was looking at his recent approach play. It's kind of in a bit of decline lately. And if you're going to a course like this, it requires a lot of birdies to be made. I think you've got to hit your ball on the green a lot with a lot of birdie looks. You can't keep scrambling. I think all the courses he's played at where he's relied on his short game to get up and down to save par have been courses with lower scoring averages typically. And then I actually dived into it and I looked at his his scoring average by like hard, medium and easy courses. And a, an easy course is anything where the top five guys average 15 under par or better. And then a medium course is minus 10 or better up to minus 14. And then hard is under minus 10. And Max dominates every course that's got scores that the top five guys never exceeded minus 15. And it's like an obvious difference between his scoring and on those venues. So... I don't know how he does it at scores that go low. So we'll see what he can get up to. I know that he won this thing obviously last year, but I think he might have been probably trending in the in a better direction with his irons then than he is now. So that's my that's my take on it. You know, if you're gonna have to fade some guy, you have to have a reason for it. And I think that's mine. So we'll see what happens. I could be very wrong. 
The one counter argument that I'll give to that, which I, I agree with a lot of what you just said there, he's 88th in my model when you're looking at short par 72s at under 7,200 yards. That's going to be a lot of your birdie fest that he doesn't seem to be finding success on. I really like him in California. I really like him on this POA bent split that he's number two in my model when I look at weighted POA plus bent. And then he is 10th in my model when I add putting to the mix on firm greens. So I'm willing to forgive some of that uh, because of the exact location, the exact course, all of those reasons that came right. into play with it. No, that, that's completely fine. You know, I think he's a good play. It's just you got to pick your battles, right? You can't play everyone at the top. So that's the reason why of I'm course, not playing yeah. him. So we'll see. We'll see how it transpires. Well, Byron, let's talk about who you are playing. All right. So I've got a guy that's his irons are playing a lot better than Max's. He hits it as far as he does. He makes a bunch of birdies too. Loves himself a, a good, good, easy scoring course. He does really well on these easy scoring courses. And he's nice and cheap. And he's going to be the only chalky guy I go after. His name is Cam Davis. Mm -hmm. And he's my guy. I think I'm going to roll with him a little bit this week. He's... He's super solid as well. I think his his floor is so high, and he's got that upside, and he can make a ton of birdies. He can bomb it out there. And from from 100 to 175, where I think half the shots are going to be coming from, he's second in this field in proximity numbers. So everything about his game suits this golf course to a T. He's chalky, but there's obviously reasons why people are chalky, and and I think I I'm ready to to get big into Cam Davis this week for sure. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if any of us have a problem with Cam Davis yeah. outside of his his you know projected ownership. But David, let me just go to you real quick before we go to your pick. Uh, is Cam Davis going to be a guy that you're going to have in your lineups, or are you just a little worried about the ownership projection? I think so. I mean, look, I I'm likely to build a lot of my lineups kind of avoiding a lot of that higher tier and look for more of a balanced build this week i i think um you know you said yourself see this is a kind of week you can't leave quite a bit of money on the table and feel okay with it and and i'll probably be taking the same route um if i was going to go up and grab one of those guys cam, cam davis definitely is in the mix um we've seen him perform well at these shorter courses before despite his um kind of prodigious distance off the tee he does tend to um, play very well at these shorter courses where um, you know he can take a risk if he needs and, and pull the driver or he can lay up and um, and use his short game and use his wedges to to get in around the green so I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see Cam Davis in contention at all. All right well David it's your pick who do we got? Yeah so with my first pick I'm going to take um, Brendan Steele who's a two-time um, winner of this event um, Steele, I know, gets an incredibly hard time for his putter. Um, he's actually been not absolutely terrible with his putter in his last two tournaments. Um, he's returning to a course where he's gained um, putting on several occasions. So um, obviously he's a two-time winner, so the, the course credentials are there. But for me, this year he's been um, actually a little bit more consistent in terms of his approach play, plenty of distance off the tee, um, and he's got an excellent um, course record here. All right. Yeah, that's an interesting first choice. I, I uh, let me go to you, Spencer, yeah. on Brendan Steele. Is that a guy that's in your player pool? I mean, I, I I certainly get it. I think it's the putter that that has me a little confused. But you know, on the first cut on Monday, we actually went back to like you know when he won 2017, 2018, and he was a really bad putter then as well. But he gained at this particular tournament. So uh, I think that is a decent argument just in and of itself for for Brendan Steele. But Spencer, what are your thoughts on Brendan? I don't have a problem with him. It's kind of the same mentality that I'm taking with Cam Davis just very quickly. Like 
you can't play everybody that has all this chalk. We're seeing all the ownership condense into all the same areas. So like a player like Cameron Davis, a player like Brendan Steele, my model likes them. There's nothing wrong with them if you want to look it in that direction. But I'm probably going to pivot in different directions. It doesn't mean Steele's a bad play. It doesn't mean Cameron Davis is a bad play. It's just um, it's one of those things where you kind of have to pick and choose your battles here. All right. Well, we have nominations in. So one guy is definitely in. We need uh, we need a second guy to be nominated here to the audience. So uh, Justin Suh appears to be uh, backed by David has backed him. Uh, Stephen Pilardi, of course, Wendaley's own has backed him and Ivan has backed him. So uh, Justin Suh has been a just an absolute beast on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, I don't really have much negative to say about him. We, we've seen him on the PGA Tour as well. I think early last year, uh, maybe a couple of years back as well. Uh, he kind of fizzled a little bit, but he's a young golfer and he is really on a hot streak on the Corn Ferry Tour. Byron, let me go to you. Was this one of the Corn Ferry Tour guys that you were keying in on? No, um, but he Ouch. should. No, no. It, he's obviously the better of the bunch. You know, him and Taylor Montgomery are clear favorites with, you know, in the Corn Ferry group. But he's going to be super high owned. And I, there's no way I'm going to be playing a Corn Ferry guy that's going to be chalky, right? The edge comes with nobody knowing about them. And. Justin Sir's just been posted everywhere. He won the last Corn Ferry Tour event, so he's going to be on everyone's mind. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's been in all these presses, all that things. But I mean, I did do a deep dive on all these guys, and he's he's exceptional, right? So if you're going to throw him in there, you got to get freaky elsewhere. But everything about his game is phenomenal. Like his his worst statistic is driving distance, and everything else is sitting like top tier, right? So he's a great play. Love him, but. From a DFS game theory perspective, I'm out on those two guys. So I'm tipping my cap a little bit already, but, um, you know, the edge comes with the unknown. So he's right. very well okay. known. I get it. Uh, we have a couple nominations here, uh, but we don't have a second. So the, these last two guys, I mean, if we don't get a second for either of these two guys, I'll probably just go ahead and, and make the call. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and make the call. Steven's going to be so mad at me. I, I never go with him. Uh, we're going to go with Mark Hubbard. And it's not because I don't like the guy that Steven talked about. It's just because um, I just like the price of Hubbard. Uh, I, his history is is good here. I mean, he's, he, he's a really good course fit. Um, I just, I love the, I've already actually bet him outright and first round leader as well. Um, David, let me go to you. As far as Mark Hubbard is concerned, uh, is this a guy that, that you like? Do you like the value? I do. I was, I was actually extremely close on tipping um, Mark Hubbard this week. So he, he didn't make the final cut just given um, I, I preferred some others slightly more. Um, I, I do like his chances. Look, he, he's, he's had a very, very good year. Um, it, the, the only concern is he's, he's fallen off the boil a little bit in the last couple of tournaments, but Hey, look, I mean, it's, it's been about a month since he's played. So, you know, it's really hard at this time of year to, to kind of know who's been working on what off, off the, um, off the actual course and who's perhaps found some gains and some returns form. Other than that, he's been incredibly consistent and, and the results have shown. So I was very, very close on Hubbard and, and I've got no clients of playing him. Um, much like Byron, I've, I'm, I'm, not fussed on Justin Saar this week. Um, I think there's much better op options where you can take risks. Um, and, you know, I, I, when I take a risk, as Byron alluded to, I'm, I'm not wanting to get a guy who's who's maybe facing 15 to 20% ownership. I, I want to take a risk and he's less than 10% owed. That, that's where I want to 
pivot to. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with Byron on that one as well. And David, before we get to your pick, and, and I want to get to that in a second, but Spencer, can I ask you what the Hubbard ownership is looking like? And, and of course, Stephen's going to have our ownership article out on windailysports.com tomorrow afternoon. But I my thought was initially on Monday that because Hubbard has missed two out of three cuts, that maybe people would be off of him. Um, am I wrong? Yeah, kind of so. So he's 11.5%. That is the 12th highest owned player. Um, I mean, for like reference sake, um, he seems to be the second or third highest guy in the $7,000 range. Okay. And we know what we say about 7K chalk. It's not great. So um, that's something for, for all of us to to consider there. But uh, David, let, let's, let's, and by the way, prior to the missing two of those three cuts, this guy was on fire, particularly with the putter and on approach. And it was pretty consistent too. So um, th- that's sort of what I'm hoping he can recapture. Uh, at that at that price so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see i did just tip one of my first round leaders he does go off in the am uh for the record on thursday morning david who do we got for our second pick yep um i just looked up by the way brennan Steele's gained putting on the surface five times um in being irvine california um native when he grew up that that's um part of the play as well so um, with my next tip, I am going to go um, a player who has suddenly found the putter um, and we've seen um, some restoration of his long game, and that's Emiliano Grillo, oh. <laughs> which Byron is thrilled about. He's pumped. I can tell. Look at him. <laughs> um, look, for, for me, um, you know, I, I've been very high on um, Grillo's game for some time because he did have um, a long stint on the DP World Tour prior um, and he was playing incredibly well. Um, he he did transition across to the PGA Tour and, and had some great results, fell off the ball a little bit and then we've suddenly seen it restored and, um, you know, the main thing is it does look genuinely now like he's gained something on the greens, like he has found something because it has been very consistent over the last sort of like six to eight tournaments where he's gaining around the green, he's gaining with the putter, so I think he's a very alive live chance this week and, and I've the guys that I'm um, playing up the top he's, he's certainly one of my favorites yeah I, I completely agree on Grillo and I forgot that it's Wednesday we normally do this show Tuesday so Stephen's ownership article is actually out you can go to windailysports.com and check it out so my bad on that forgot what day it was uh love Grillo uh real quick yes or no Byron uh Grillo in your player pool yes very much so <laughs> I was gonna take him right now like, he's so mad David um Spencer, same question for you. Yes or no? No. Oh, ouch. Wow. Shade being One sentence on why. I'm sorry. I I need an explanation to that. Yeah, why? It just comes down to the players that are priced next to him that I would rather play. So let's just take 9,900 down to, I guess, Brendan Steele. I would rather play every single one of those golfers over him. And it's not that I don't like Grio. I just like the other players more. <laughs> well, it sounds like you don't like Grio. Yeah. Can I just say one thing about that very quickly before we move on? This is a tournament where pricing is very good, in my opinion. So, like, mm-hmm. if you look at the players that are, let's call it in the 9,000 range and up, every single golfer is in the top 10 for me. Like, I have to get rid of somebody at some point, and Grio is the lowest one of the mix of that. Like, it just comes down to that. Like, there's, it's kind of one of those things where, um, I mean, no matter which player you want to throw out there, like, even like a Davis Riley, he's 10th for me. Um, he's ninth when I run it a different way. 
Grio is 10th. Hoagie is eighth. Like all these guys, I don't want to name every single person, but every single one of those guys is just a little bit better in my model and doesn't carry as much ownership. So did he finish T2 in like two of his last five starts? Any of those guys or, or nah? Well, I'm not a person. I, I, one of the things I always say is I think that when you get that short-term results that come into play, I think that that's where ownership flocks there. And if I can go in the opposite direction and, you know, give me a, I mean, I don't know if Tom Hoagie's the hill I want to die on right now, but give me Tom <laughs> Hoagie at half the ownership or if it's going to be roughly half the ownership. Like, I'd rather just take that route. Okay. Fair That's enough. Fair. All right. Maniac, uh, it is on you uh, okay. for your second pick, and then we're going to have Spencer back-to-back. Yeah. Before I go, I just want to give this chat a shout-out. I've been in this thing a few times, and they've been some of my best Tuesday nights I've ever had. And I, I've been on some fun dates on a Tuesday, so just putting it out there. <laughs> Love it. My pick is going to be the number one guy in my model when it comes to DFS slate. The guy makes birdies the best in the field. Played very well here in a few times. Makes a bunch of par fives birdieable all the time. And when it comes to proximity numbers from 100 to 175, Hideki Gate is number one in the field. Wow. And I'm going, you know, I got to go, <clears throat> I got to go freaky because I got Cam Davis early. The upside's there. I've got a bunch of Corn Ferry Tour guys I'm going to be leaning on a lot. So they're all sitting somewhere below 7500 bucks. I'm totally okay taking these two boys at the top. I think Decky's definitely going to be of the lower owned guys in the, you know, in the in the top of the board there. So I'm totally cool with that from an ownership perspective. He's very risky, but he's got incredible upside. And I'm not going to be playing him more than like 25%, you know, ownership because to double his ownership, you only have to do 25%. So I really like that. And yes, Decky Gate is the beginning of my villain arc after Grillo was taken. So we're going rogue, folks. We're going rogue. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love the Hideki play. I mean, you know, I, I had my thought going in is to ignore the 10K range and just kind of settle with some of the chalk in the 9K range and then get different in the 7K range for the most, most part. Um, but to that point, uh, and I'll ask you, Spencer, Hideki can't have a lot of ownership, right? No, 12.3%, uh, yeah. which... I mean, if we're looking at players, I mean, he's one of the lowest ones, 9,000 and up. There's a couple that would be a little bit lower, but he's, I, I would actually be surprised with that being said, if it's not even a little bit lower than that number. Like I could see that being 10% or less when push comes to shove on mm -hmm. it. Those WDs and DQs and exactly. tipics and wideouts, they, they definitely plague people's minds. So I'm totally down for it. Let's go. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Spencer, you got back-to-back -back picks. I can't believe, and I'm not going to take him, and well, I guess I won't mention a name. Somebody will take him at some point, but I can't believe this guy got back to me, and I'm also not going to take him, but uh, I'll take Maverick McNeely. That's one of the guys that I really like as a pivot in the $9,000 section. He's going to have half the ownership of those two big guys in that $9,000 range, and another California product with that. I, I love his par five birdie or better numbers. I love the way that he's able to make birdies. Uh, he's really good on this POA bent grass surface. So that will be my first choice. And then my second choice is going to go back down that road of a golfer that carries a bunch of distance off the tee. He's good on these greens. There's only four players in this field that grade in the top 25 in my model in driving distance and putting on this exact surface. One of them is Max Homa. Uh, one of them is Maverick McNeely. The third one, Patrick Rogers. So I will take Patrick Rogers at 7,300. 
Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I love Patrick Rogers. And when we get to the end of this show, he is going to be on either my first round leader or overall winner picks. Uh, so I I don't hate uh, either of those. I don't know that I'm going to be playing Maverick McNeely, though. David, uh, let me ask you this. Is, is Again, I, I ask these questions knowing that, you, you know, player pools are going to be limited. So just because you're, they're not in your player pool, it doesn't mean you hate them. But do you hate Mav McNeely, David Vilesky? No, I, I love Matt McNeely this week. Okay. I, I think he's an incredibly live try, chance. Um, so um, he basically, I mean, he was very, very much in play here um, until we had a, a double bogey uh, on the 17th. Um, so needed a, an eagle instead. And look, you know, that's what happens when you put yourself in contention. But all you all you can ask for is that these golfers are putting in contention. Um, this, this tournament has a long history of having Californian late players playing well. Um, so I think it was five of the last seven um, winners have had some sort of um, California link as well. So he takes that box. Um, look, and, and McNeely can make birdies and eagles and bunches. Um, so regardless of perhaps where he finishes on the leaderboard, you know, even if he finished, say, 20th, you know, you can be kind of guaranteed along that way that he's going to make a ton of birdies and eagles for you as well. So I, I really like the play. All right, fair enough. All right, so let's move along uh, to... Byron, we have, uh, what's, let's see, your third pick. So we started kind of late because of the tech issue. So I, I think for the next, let's say, two rounds, let's try to race through it. Like a, we'll still we'll still kind of like analyze a little bit. But the reason I say that is because after this show, um, there's another draft cast. And it's an NFL draft cast. Uh, Jason Mizrahi and James Rocker are going to be on. So I don't want to go too long here because that'll kind of inhibit the ability for them to start their show. So Let's let's just go at a slightly quicker pace, but we're still going to talk about all these guys, and of course, we're going to get to our first round leaders and our and our outrights as well. Cool, easy courses kills it. Ball striking, he kills it. Recent form, killing it. Putting, killing it. Everything about him makes a ton of birdies. Taylor Moore, sign me up, seventy six hundred bucks. Let's go. Taylor Moore. Okay, all right. Um, I I don't I don't hate that at all. Uh, Taylor Moore was on my original list of golfers that I liked. I, I've, I've kind of like stripped it down. So he's sort of on the line for me. Um, Spencer, let me go to you. Taylor Moore, in or outside of your pool? Fringe for me. My model likes him. So I guess I'll stay in because I don't have a reason not to play him other than ownership. Fair. And, and is the ownership pretty high for Taylor Moore? I mean, for us, I mean, and by the way, I just took Patrick Rogers, who's the most popular guy in the $7,000 range. It just so happens oh, that. Oh, is he really? Yeah, that's the most popular person. That. But uh, okay. Taylor Moore is one of the more popular ones uh, aside from that. But I, I like the safety that he brings. I, I think that you're probably a little safer with him than a lot of those other guys that we've talked about. I, I am actually kind of shocked that Patrick Rogers is the most popular guy in the 7K range. It's I, very I, close. I mean, I it's condensed, but uh, yeah. he's a couple percent. Like Chris Goddard is very close. I, I think he's second. And then um, the other guy. terrible. Yeah. All right. The ownership that, numbers that, are crazy out there. At the that's moment. that's <laughs> actually crazy. legitimately weird. Um, okay, David, it's on you. You got to pick here for your th your third rounder. I do. Um, I'm going to go with um, Wyndham Clark for my next pick. Um, so obviously we know with Wyndham Clark, plenty of um, distance off the tee. Um, he, he's just had a bit of a restoration in his um, approach play of late. So he's, he's not... Um, not losing a bunch, which he was doing at the beginning of the season. So we're starting to see a bit of a turn in terms of his ball striking, which is always something that I look for. It's an indicator that um, a player may suddenly pop up again. 
Um, as I said, he's got heaps of distance off the team. He models out really well. In terms of like um, similar courses that I'm considering this week as comp courses, like he's got an eighth at um, the Genesis um, and a 17th there the, the year before. So he's got some proven form kind of in the in the region. Um, and TPC and San Antonio has some um, really interesting links in terms of leaderboards here. Um, and again, he's got some top 20s um, at that track as well. I, I would I would hazard a guess with that where it's like it's a course where you can you can pull pull driver quite comfortably and let it rip. But then if you do go if you do stray too far, you've got kind of those desert areas um, at TPC San Antonio. It's kind of similar to here in terms of the fact of like you can quite happily pull driver and that's going to be fine. The rough is in that penal at just three and a three inch um, bluegrass. But if you do go too far, then you've got trees and and it does um, become a problem. So he's got some correlating form there, and, and so I like him as a player this week. I always say very quickly, if you like Patrick Rogers or you like Wyndham Clark, you should probably like the other one. Uh, I like Wyndham <laughs> Clark a lot this week. That was going to be my next pick. Love it. Perfect. And that's that's not a name I, I've heard much this week. So I'm, I'm always intrigued by um, by stuff like that. So Wyndham Clark seems really sneaky. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sneaky, Scott Holdridge enters the chat. This ends one oh. way, he says. <laughs> Webb versus Day in a playoff that is half. <laughs> <laughs> we run out of daylight <laughs> we run out of daylight that's right oh. oh that is amazing um thank you for joining us scott scott who has been on this yes. show and will be on this show in the future of course uh one he's of a the great twitter follow as well oh mm-hmm. my god uh yeah. scott what is your twitter handle i should know that at scott holdridge put it in the chat i think yeah what is it oh it is think, it really i think it's at holdridge underscore scott it might be reverse to that i don't it's something uh, you like had that. to put an underscore in there huh too bad Sucks. All right. Uh, we have nominations. I'm going to go ahead and second Ivan's and we have a second for Davis Riley. So Davis Riley is going to be uh, one of ours and Michael Kim is going to give us some salary savings at 6,900. I think the thought with Michael Kim is, well, he doesn't make cuts on the PGA tour, but maybe he does now <laughs> because he has been uh, absolutely on fire on the Corn Ferry Tour. I know Spencer from from Twitter, from following. I haven't listened to the Better Golf podcast yet. I'm going to listen to it tonight. But uh, I know that uh, Sticks Picks, your partner, has uh, has uh, supported Michael Kim. Do you support him as well? I do not, but I understand why Nick likes him. And, and I think part of the problem is, and at least this is my theory on it, I think some of the information that he's pulling and that I'm pulling might be a little bit short, too short of term on it because he's number one in like multiple facets of how I run my model. And I know that's not to be the case with it when it comes to iron proximity numbers, but he's outside the top 100 for me. I think if you aren't like looking at a $6,000 golfer in that range, at least he has the upside of the proximity. We know that he's found success before on birdie shootouts. If it does go in that direction, uh, I will give a more positive outlook on Davis Riley. I think he's a very sneaky play. I think he's kind of in that same mold of Maverick McNeely where the upside might be a little bit higher than the public perceives it to be. So I like the Riley play. I guess I'll say I'm indifferent on the Michael Kim play because I usually trust Nick when he goes on these bold stances there, but my model did not like him. All right. Well, for the record, team audience uh, has two picks left and we have 9,100 left to play with. So a lot of money. We don't have to spend all the money. This is a tournament where leaving 1,300 or 900 on the table, um, you know, or somewhere in that range is perfectly fine. But uh, keep that in mind. We got two more picks. We can pretty much do uh, anything we want outside of drafting guys that are about to get taken. So, David, speaking of guys that are about to get taken, who's the next pick? Oh, you're on mute, I believe. 
Oh, thank you. There we go. Um, I'm going to go down and, and get some more value. Um, look, I'm, I'm, I've absolutely no qualms with leaving money on the table this week um, right. whatsoever. So, I mean, like like um, see your audience looks like they're going to have to leave some t- money on the table. Um, I'm going to do the same, and I'm going to take um, Luke List at 7,000. Wow. So let me ask you this, because when I think Luke List, and I'm not looking at his putting stats right now, but – I'm assuming he's oh, continued he to be an, a horrific putter. So when it oh, comes yeah. to these re- resort courses and, and the potential for like the birdie fest and probably having to make putts, what leads mm-hmm. you to believe that Luke List can do that with any sort of consistency over four days? Um, because he's done it at the Farmers Insurance at Torrey Pines. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. he, he's come to California and he managed to win. I mean, the, this is the thing with Luke List is, is you are looking, it's it's kind of the same effect of Brennan Steele. If, like, if they can putt at the average of the field, they will win the tournament. Like, that's the mm-hmm. upside that you've got, right? So, mm-hmm. um, great on approach, great off the tee with distance as well, obviously. Um, and if they can game with a the putter, then um, then they win the tournament or they'll, they'll be, go very, very close. And that's the sort of volatility that I'm looking for. Um you know, I'd say as well, like putting is such a volatile stat, right? Like it does swing in in roundabouts. And if he's got great putting stats at neighboring courses, I'm I'm happy to take that risk here. Um, he just modeled out super well for me, and, and it's great value this week. I'll just say this very quickly. I I made this example in one of my articles this week. I think Luke List's floor is the bottom of a wine bottle in Napa Valley. I think the <laughs> ceiling is as bubbly, as high-end as you can find for him on this. If you told me Luke List won this tournament, I would not be shocked. If you told me Luke List came in last place, I would not be shocked either. But I do think that that's a, an interesting proposition. And uh, I have a lot of exposure to him in the first-round leader and outright market. So I, I like List this week. Yeah. I mean, he's had fourth and 26 on this course and gained punning both times. So, Oh, interesting. All right. Good stat there. Uh, Model Maniac, Byron, where okay. are we at now? I am going to go with a inverted commas corn fairy guy. He's from the European tour. Dave, hopefully you can give us a nice hey. insight on this guy. Hmm. He's one of the most consistent guys that I've seen on the European tour as well. He's very, very solid, makes a bunch of cuts. And I think once he gets comfortable, I think he can pop. And He's got low ownership too, which is something I'm looking forward to as well. And Thomas Dietrich will be my next pick Ooh. at $8,600. What do you think, so Dave? That, okay, real quick, because we're, we're going to get Sorry. to Dave. Yeah, yeah. I've literally asked him about one guy so far this week, if memory serves. And it was it was Thomas Dietrich. So, David, uh, tell, tell everybody what you think about him. It was, yeah. And um, so it's interesting that you say he's he's going to be low owned. I'd like to know the ownership numbers on him because if he's if you're getting a low owned Dietrich, that's that's a, a great play. The the only only qualm only qualm with Dietrich is that he's still yet to win. He's never got across the line. He's had multiple seconds. Um, again, though, like we've seen with Will Zalatoris, all it takes is just like one week where it suddenly do get across the line, and you're just putting that golfer in position. Dietrich is basically a stud on the DP World Tour. Um, he is an excellent ball striker, one of the best in the game. Um, he can absolutely put, put um, lights out as well. So I do really, really like the play this week, especially if he's anything um, lower than 15% ownership. Yeah, he will be much lower than that. I see 6.6% yeah. right well, now. Well, I mean, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's incredibly, incredibly low for a man of that talent. Wow. All right. Good insight there. All right, Spencer, back to back. I might be too small on the screen right now. And I don't know if I have this next to me. 
Yeah, I do. So I don't know if you guys can see this. Oh, we can see hey. it. Jason Day. <laughs> Shaka. Shaka. Can't believe it. So here's my reasoning behind Jason Day. The Irons did start to trend in the right direction towards the end of last year. And I made this joke with Nick that if you remove all the bad from Jason Day, which is a lot, then all of a sudden you find all the good. And that might be looking through things through like a glass half full type situation. But number one in my model on POA plus bent greens, number one in my model on short courses under 7,200 yards that are a par 72. I really like him on the surface. I also like him in California. So I'm going to take him. Um, my second play, who I think is probably a little too volatile, unfortunately. I was hoping to go a different route uh, than I'm ending up going here. I'm going to take Alex Smalley. I like his upside. It's kind of like the Luke List thing where I think the ceiling is very high. I think the floor is extremely low, and I'm a little worried that he misses the cut. But uh, Jason Day, Alex Smalley, to quickly wrap that up. Yeah, there was definitely somebody in the chat that liked Alex Smalley. Um, before, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go yes or no here just to move it along. But, uh, David, Alex Smalley, uh, somebody that you would put in your player pool or no? Uh, yeah, I've tipped Alex Smalley this week, and uh, he was my next pick. So um, it's, it's fair enough that Spencer um, returned the favor there. Sorry, buddy. Byron, same question for you on Alex Smalley. I was just too busy reading Scott's comments in the comment section, and I wasn't even <laughs> listening to what the question was in the real thing that I'm actually on yeah sorry so <laughs> no that's it well do, do you like Alex Smalley yes or no this week not really no not not particularly I don't dislike him though but no it sounds like you dislike him and you hate their pick all right uh maniac it is on you I yeah. uh, can't wait to catch up with uh with Scott's comments yeah here. Robbie Shelton is a corn ferry to a graduate he's sixty seven hundred dollars I don't think too many people know about him he actually in his last five starts in the corn ferry tour finished first and second in two of those events the guy makes the fourth most birdies out of all the 50 guys that are put together. He's super accurate, you know, dominates the par fives. Robbie Shelton, nice and cheap, under the radar. Let's see what he can do. All right. Works for me. Um, anybody got comments? I've heard Robbie Shelton's name, but at least by uh, um, somebody. I thought it was an interesting take on Robbie Shelton. I don't mind this pick at all. Um, Spencer, real quick, Robbie Shelton. I mean, if I'm being honest with you right now, First time that I've looked at his name in this field. He was so far down on my model, I didn't uh, notice him. The the subtle smack talk here is amazing because <laughs> that's how I just read that. Okay, David, it's on you. Uh, who's your next pick? Yeah, well, just uh, having a quick look through my list of players now that uh, Smalley's gone. So thank you again, um, Spencer. I'm very, very high on him this week. So I just felt that I could uh, leave him for a little bit and, and still come back to him. Um. Okay, look, I'm I'm gonna go a chalky guy. I think I've got some some differentiation um, within my lineup, and um, I'm really surprised that um, Taylor Pendrith has has yeah. fallen to the spot. So I'm I'm happy to take him at 9800. Um, I think it's very difficult to make an argument against him. You know, he came back from um, cracking his ribs at the at TPC Sawgrass and just absolutely carried on where he left off with um, a bunch of top 20s and top 10s. So um, I think he's a highly talented golfer who, since moving to the PGA Tour, has proven that he can um, mix it with the big boys. This week is not the big boys. Um, it's um, a bunch of also rands and, and a few names that we know. So I think Pendrith is a great play um, and happy to take the chalk given I've got different elsewhere. I okay, consider I taking him Go number ahead. one overall. 
Well, see, that's the thing. You know, I don't think we need to talk about Taylor Pendrith other than the fact that what Spencer just said. Like, how did he how did he last this long? I'm I'm actually I mean, good for us for not like taking like the, the chalky guy right away, but yeah, I expected the audience to to pull on uh, Taylor Pendrith a, a while back, and and I have no argument um, against playing that chalk. Where are we on his ownership percentage? Uh, I see twenty two percent, and that's kind of what Byron was talking about earlier with Homa. It's like you have that Homa Pendrith Cam Davis thing. You can't play all three. That's the reason why Cam Davis ended up missing the list, even though I think he's good chalk at the end of the day. I think you're going to have to make a decision and at least get rid of one of those three. So for sure, I uh, keep that in mind when you're putting together your, you know, your builds out there. For sure. Okay, audience, we need some nominations. We have two more picks to go. We have 9,100 left per golfer. Who is it going to be, audience? We need nominations. And as we wait for them to come in, um, Taylor Pendrith. I, I mean, let, let's. 30 to one outright seems like a pretty good number, doesn't it? Damn straight it does. Is that a spoiler alert for you, Byron? No. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. We've got, um, oh, Taylor Montgomery is an interesting pick. I'll go ahead and back that because I, I do like him. Another Corn Ferry Tour guy. Byron, you've been mentioning Corn Ferry Tour guys a lot. Is that guy on your list or does he end up being too popular? He's too popular, but I've, I'm going to play him a little teaser while we're on him. First round leader for sure. The guy's exceptional he's got he gets a bit of the sunday scaries and i think that's what i'm going to cling on to i think he gets a little nervy at times and on sundays his his scoring average when he's in contention isn't what it could be and maybe that carries over onto the pga tour with some nerves so i'm kind of banking on that because he's going to be very popular for a very good reason right okay uh we have 9700 left so edward to answer your doug game question Probably not him with 9,700. <laughs> While we don't need to spend all the money, that's probably not where we're going to go. Um, a lot of those 9K guys that we like are gone. So it comes down to maybe some of these guys in the 8K range or a contrarian Tom Hoagie, perhaps, something like that. There's also guys in the upper 7K range, which I don't mind. We can leave as much money on the table as you all want. We've got a Lipsky nomination. Let's see. Jason Day. Dylan comes in with a Jason Day comment. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call it here. It's not gonna be Lipsky. Man, this one's tough. I mean, Tom Hoagie, you win, you win all the money if Tom Hoagie wins this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's gonna take Tom Hoagie. Uh Denny McCarthy is interesting and he has been nominated. So let's go with Denny McCarthy at 8,800. Why not? I don't think his ownership has to be pretty low here, too. In what could end up being a putting contest. I think Denny certainly makes sense there. Um, let's make Denny McCarthy our last pick. That leaves us, what, 500 on the table, 1,000 on the table. Either way, anybody like Denny this week as a sneaky play? Hard pass for me. Fair enough. And is his ownership reflective of your opinion? I think the ownership is the most enticing. Th I mean, the putter is the most yeah. enticing thing, but I think the ownership, it would be the second most enticing thing. So he is the lowest owned player that I see uh, down to Carl Yoon, or I'm sure I'm butchering his last name, but that's the only Yuan. player I see lower from 7,800 and up. Mm, Yuan's an I think the thing with, with Denny is it's just incredibly hard to argue that he's good value at that price. Um, yeah. I, I think... In terms of pricing, he's like he's fair at best. Um, he's he's certainly an excellent putter. Um, so 
you know, we, we know that his his putting can get incredibly hot. So there will be be one positive in terms of these resort style courses. Um, just yeah, he he for me, um, I think there's better value in that range. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, you, you, two things to keep in mind. One, we didn't have a lot of people to select from, but two, the, the other thing, I mean, one of the things I do like about guys that are overpriced is everybody thinks they're overpriced. So their ownership is low. I wish it wasn't Jenny McCarthy. That was the guy I was like singling out for that example, because I'd rather it be somebody else. But if it was somebody else, they'd probably be popular, right? So you're, you're playing that you're playing the DFS game here a little bit too, when you're when you're taking a guy like Jenny McCarthy or Tom Hoagie. And in a tournament like this, where kind of anybody can get hot, probably. Uh, it certainly makes sense to play that game theory game maybe a little bit more here than you would somewhere else, like at the Masters, for example, to give you like the other side of the coin there. There's um, also they, only so many picks that are left. Like if you're yeah. not trying to leave a ton of money, I mean, uh, that's already enough money, I think, on the table. Like unless it's Hoagie, you're kind of out of options at that point. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So we got three picks left. David, you're the first one. Yeah, I just in regards to that, I probably would have pivoted to Trey Mullinex. That would have been my my choice um, in that spot there. Um, leave an extra five hundred on the table because um, he's he's on an incredibly hot run and and um, the the distance is there, which I think is important. He's respect. he's chalky though, right? I'm just assuming Chalk. he's like one of the most oh, chalky. AK I have him guys. at ten. I have him at ten percent. Oh, okay. I have twelve point four. Get so, up there. Yeah. All right, Final pick. I, I think, unfortunately, I was uh, put in a spot with uh, with Smalley being taken because I had a plan how I was going to round out this draft, um, which always seems to get um, screwed over in the the fourth, fifth, and sixth plates inevitably because um, we're just all awesome and all thinking about um, you know great pivots. Um, so as a result, I've picked a golfer, which means that Matthew Naismith, who would have been my next pick, um, is $100 too expensive. So um, just mm. putting out there that I like Naismith this week. Um, instead, I'm going to um, transfer over to uh, South African um, in Dylan Fratelli. Just for, um, you know, I see Byron's nod- nodding an acknowledgement. Um Look, he's got some good course history um, in comp courses as well as here. So he's got a seventh here back in 2020. Um, he had eighth at um, TPC San Antonio as well um, and 20th year too. So as I spoke to earlier, there's some some good links with um, that Texas course. And I know that he's he's a Texas guy having gone to college in that um, state as well. Um, 20th last time out at the FedEx St. Jude. Um, he's got plenty of distance off the tee. Um, his approach seems to be going um, pretty well at the moment. Um, and he's he's excellent around the green, so he can he can putt and he can chip well. So I think all of those um, are ticks for me, and and I think he's um, decent value at 7,100. Yeah, he's the third best leverage option that I have on the board when I took my rank on him and compared it to his price. Or his ownership, sorry. And against his price, he was a bit of a value too. But uh, against the ownership, I mean, it's about 1% right now. So, and a 1% Dylan mm-hmm. Fratelli has upside. Yeah, for sure. All right. Nice All right, pick. Mike. All right. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I love Fratelli. I love the distance. Love, you know, the nationality as well. Duh. Um, <laughs> All right, my guy's the number one greening regulation player on the Corn Ferry Tour. He plays the easy courses, the fourth best out of the 50 guys I ranked. He had a run before the Corn Ferry Tour playoffs where he finished sixth, third, fifth, and second on the Corn Ferry Tour in a row. So all four tournaments in a row he did that, and three of them were on easy courses. So this guy, when the birdies start flying, he dominates, and his name is Augusto Nunes, and he's 6500 bucks, I believe. So he's... One of the, the more unknown guys, but he's an absolute 
beast when it comes to ball striking and you know his number one in greening regulations is all you want to ask for and just make some putts let's go wow that's not a name i've heard i don't think so very impressive pull there yes. i'll be keeping an eye on that for sure um spencer you got you got one more pick to go <laughs> we always make this joke on the show. I think I'm living in like 2015 still, but uh, I will take Ricky Fowler at 7,000. <laughs> I don't know where Ricky's game's at. I heard some comments from him that, you know, he's married now, he's kid, he's happy with where his life is. I think that when you get these like brand new starts of the season, whether it's Jason Day or Webb Simpson or Ricky Fowler, these guys that have at least had upside in the past, we know that the ownership and the price tag, all those things are condensed and moved way down um, to where, I mean, nobody wants to play them. They're overlooked commodities at this point. So I don't know what Ricky's going to give me. I do think he's a top 15 player. According to my model, if I look at this from a two-year running model for upside, I think the safety is really bad, but it's kind of that same thought process as like a Luke list to where I don't know. I guess I trust Luke list to win this tournament a little bit more at this point, but I think Ricky can give like a surprise top 10 out of nowhere. I don't hate it. Uh, David, real quick thoughts on uh, Ricky Fowler. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because he was so heavily rumored to go to live and he's he's still here. So that's that's an interesting angle for me as well as is, is this is a tournament he's never played before. So mm -hmm. why is he here? Why is he not at live? Uh, because obviously the money in terms of his his profile, I mean, he's been terrible at golf for, let's put it this way, probably two, two three years, really. Um, but his um, his marketing angle and marketability is kind of exactly what live would be looking for um, in terms of, you know, he's a, he's a big name that people still know and follow despite the fact that he's dreadful at golf. So, um, you know, it, it is interesting in terms of his motivation um, why he's here this week. My, my qualm with Fowler is that he's typically not great from within 150 yards, and I think that's going to be a key metric um, at this course. That would be my one misgiving. Um, but but there's been some signs of life, and there's murmurings that that he's on the improve. Um, I've seen it, seen a few reporters who have been following him and, and making some notes that his game looks to be in better nick than it has been. I love it. Um, that's our draft cast. That is, well, it's not the show, but that's the draft. Um, mm -hmm. we can take that down so we can get into our first round leaders and our, uh, our outright plays. Um, we will have these lineups posted and you guys can make comments on what you think of the lineups and why the audience team is clearly the best team in spite of its, uh, clear chalkiness as, as was pointed out by Delbert McFly, maybe the best chat name of all time. Uh, okay. So with that said, let's just run through real quick. I'm going to start with outrights. Um, I, we probably all have outrights, Byron, if you don't, have, I'm, I'm sure you do, right? You have some outrights for us. I've got two. Yeah. Okay. Two. Perfect. I've got I've maybe four or five. I don't know, but uh, let's start with you, Byron, give us your two outrights and then we'll get to first round leaders uh, after that. Taylor Pendra, 30 to one. Can't play him in DFS at, at that ownership. So when, mm -hmm to the betting market and then Emiliano Grillo 40 to one and there's 40 like ones that. everywhere. I like that number on Grillo. Yeah, that, it's is, massive. that is excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love that. I'm going to look for that number. Uh, David, let's go to your outrights. Yeah. So I also, I have um, Grillo at top of my tips this week at, at 40 to one. And um, so I got him at bet three, six, five, 41 with um, eight places, one for the odds. Um, I've got Brendan Steele at 50 to one. I've got Wyndham Clark at 55 to one. Luke List at 90 to one. Alex Morley at 110 to one. And Matthew Naismith at 110 to one. Love it. 
Absolutely love it. Um, Spencer, what are the outrights? That Brendan Steele number is a very good number. Uh, I think that's an intriguing bet at 50 to 1. But uh, Luke List, 130 to 1. Patrick Rogers, 110 to 1. I got Wyndham Clark at 66 to 1. Taylor Pendrith, 30 to 1. I got Alex Smalley at 125 to 1. And then my big bomb was Austin Smotherman at 250 to 1. Yeah, I like that we're all on Pendrith. He's going to be one of my outright plays too. But I, I like what Byron said about not playing him on, in the DFS market. Like, I'm probably going to play him a little bit too. I'm not playing as many lineups this week because the offerings really aren't that great, unfortunately, for, for tournaments. But I will have a few lineups, and, and Pendrith is definitely going to be in, in maybe one or two. But with that said, I mean, you can easily fade him, which is probably the proper DFS play if we're talking about game theory exclusively and play him. You don't have to play him just as an outright. You can play him in the top 10 market because that's probably what you're looking for. And obviously you're looking for top five or something, but his top 10 number is not going to be something to just like brush off. So that's a way to do a top 10, top 20 outright where you can play Pendrith and really root for him but you don't have him in DFS. It's just something to consider there. Pendrith is one of my outrights at 30 to one. Um, I've, I've played Trey Mullinex at 60 to one only because I'm not playing him in DFS. And I do think he's a good DFS play. I just thought his ownership was going to be a, a little higher. It's probably going to end up in that 12% range. I'm guessing. So Mullinex 60, I think is a good number the way he's been playing Nick Hardy at 90 to one. I'm playing him in DFS as well. I just think the range of outcomes for him is, kind of in that Luke list range, if you will. But I do see some progression from him on the Corn Ferry Tour. So at 90 to 1, given what we saw from him a couple of months ago, I think that's a great number. Two more, Kevin Streelman at 100 to 1. That's another guy I'm probably not playing in DFS, but I'm willing to play in the outright market. And Mark Hubbard, a guy I really like at 100 to 1. Those are my five outrights. Now we move forward to Byron for the first round leaders. And those of you that are listening, it's a lot of you that are still listening, I forgot to remind you to hit the like button, but more importantly, we do have an NFL draft cast coming up right after our show, like literally right after our show, Jason Mizrahi and, and a few of the NFL guys are going to be launching that. So get into that chat after this one where they're going to be talking about drafting lineups, but also about pricing and, and all the stuff we're talking about on this show. That's going to be a regular show uh, from Wind Daily Sports uh, the rest of this NFL season as it had just started last week. So we got a lot of time there. Byron, first round leaders. Okay, so MJ Duffy. 130 to 1, Augusta Nunez, 130 to 1, Robbie Shelton, 110 to 1, Michael Kim, 110 to 1, Maddie Schmidt, 110 to 1, Emiliano Grillo, I think he's 50 to 1, and Taylor Montgomery is 60 to 1. And then while we're at it, let's throw in Cam Davis. We got a whole bunch of bombs. Let's get freaky. I, I love that list. I, I just, if like Nunez or Shelton, hit like you're you're like actually my hero it's corn fairy week for me i i'm fully vested in them if they blow up i'm totally okay with it too so i get it that's that's beautiful uh david let's go to you next with your first round leaders yeah i, I don't mind playing the corn fairy guys in the first round leader kind of standpoint um there, there has been history in fall events actually that that actually bigger names tend to come through and win so whether corn fairy tour has that upside in the week long um yeah, compared to, I'd, I'd probably rather play them in the first round. My, my tips are very simple because all my guys are going off in the morning because I'm playing a Thursday AM wave. Um, so they're going to be the exact same as my my outright. So I've got Grio at 55, Steele at 55, Wyndham Clark at 60 to 1, Luke List at 80 to 1, Naismith at 90 to 1, and Smalley at 90 to 1. Um, Spencer, before we get to you, real quick, David, weather edge. There is a weather edge, like from a DFS standpoint, I'm not talking about first round leaders. Is there a weather, weather mm -hmm. edge Thursday a.m., Friday p.m.? 
Yeah, I'm seeing seeing an edge of about 0.75 strokes on average for for Thursday AM to to Friday PM, and that's just given some higher winds on on Thursday afternoon that may come into play. So, um, particularly, yeah, looking to to target those Thursday AM guys and, and avoid the weather Thursday afternoon. All right, all right, and, and go ahead, Spencer. Uh, the other thing to note on that is Poa can get a little bumpy in the afternoon, mm-hmm. so that's probably a bigger reason to also play the morning guys. Love it. Great insight there. Um, speaking of playing the morning guys, Spencer, uh, first round leaders. So I took Matthew Neesmith at 90 to one, Ricky Fowler, 110 to one. Uh, I have a large card also. Maverick McNeely, 34 to one, Luke List, 95 to one, Wyndham Clark, 60 to one, Patrick Rogers, 100 to one, Alex Smalley, 95 to one. And then I did want to get a little bit of afternoon exposure. I took Charlie Hoffman at 90 to one. <laughs> Yes. Charlie, I didn't think we were going to hear his name today. I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, he made a little bit of a comeback late in the year. I, I was interesting. Yeah. I hope he makes a full comeback there. Uh, I got to say, Naismith, List, and Clark. Those are three names that um, I don't think have been talked about too much this week. So names to just log in the back of your mind there for everybody listening. Matthew Naismith, Luke List, and Wyndham Clark. All right, my first round leaders, Cam Davis at 30 to 1. I'll take that all day. Uh, Taylor Pendrith, 35 to 1. Love that. Patrick Rogers at 60 to 1. I don't really like him as an outright, but I certainly like him as a first round leader. Mark Hubbard at 60 to 1. I really like that. That was almost like my breaking news. This guy's definitely winning uh, your first round leader. He probably is, but the problem is there's a guy at 90 to 1 that is a little bit more likely to be your first round leader at the Fortinet. That is tomorrow, Thursday night. Your first round leader, it's Lee Hodges, folks. You're all falling asleep on Lee Hodges at 90 to one. He will be your first round leader. And if for some reason he's not because he has to withdraw or, you know, he has a wrist injury or something like that, it's either going to be Patrick Rogers, Mark Hubbard, Taylor Pendrith, or Cam Davis. But it's basically a lock that it's Lee Hodges. Um, Byron, what do you think? It's Lee Hodges, right? For sure. It's Lee Hodges. But if you're going to bet on Cam Davis, go to FanDuel at 61 over there. Not amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just looking, I was being lazy and looking up just DraftKings. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Um, that's our Draftcast. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, the, the NFL Draftcast is coming on. Just stay tuned to Wind Daily Sports. Please, everybody, if you're not already subscribed to Wind Daily Sports on YouTube, I'm sure you are. But if not, uh, make sure you subscribe and, and get the alerts. All right. Parting words. Parting words from each of you on the Fortinet. I'm going to start with Spencer. What are you looking for at the Fortinet or, or, or what, are you, what are you hoping to see? Well, I mean, I would like to see Taylor Pendrith win. That's the most exposure I have on an outright. But I'm going to say Max Homa goes back to back and wins this tournament, despite what Byron said earlier. Wrong. Uh, Jason Day is what you're looking for. Okay, David, we're going to you. Uh, Give us some parting words, maybe something you're looking for at the Fortnite Championship. Um, I I would say that Pendrith, for me, is the epitome of good chalk. I think that I you agree. can happily play him in DFS. I think that his floor is incredibly high, and I think his ceiling is just as high. Um, 30 to 1 in betting markets, I do have his value as well. It's a slight value. I, I have fair odds for him at 25 to 1, so there is a slight edge still on 30 to 1 if you are looking for that. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've pivoted out um, elsewhere, and um, Luke List is going to be your winner by the end of the week. I would like wow. to see that too. Wrong. Mark Hubbard's going to be your winner. Uh, Byron, parting words. What are you looking for at the Fortnite Championship? May the birdies rain down and the Corn Ferry Tour floodgates open. 
Byron, that was really good. Um, also wrong because the answer is sports. <laughs>